guys. Welcome back to another episode of Consider This. We are in the studio yet again to um, discuss this topic of women preaching, women teaching within the church body. Um, we are going to try today to conclude our thoughts. Um, to try. Be able, we're, try. Try. No, we're going to do it. Okay. We're going to conclude our thoughts, and if they change in the next month, we'll come back. And no, I'm just kidding. We are going to conclude our thoughts. No, actually, I'd keep going that. Yeah, yeah. if they do change, we'll come back. Okay. So um, first, we'd like to finish through our text because last time we were, um, we wanted to cut it off to not take up too much of your time. And so we stopped, I believe, after verse 13. And so we're going to go ahead and do 14 and 15. Um, start by with going through the text there. And then we Introduce who's in the... I will. Who's there? Okay. Okay. And then we are going to, after, um, after that, we have a couple of questions that have been brought up. Um, between the last time we released this podcast and now that we're going to address, and then we'll each kind of give you where we land on this particular text and where we as Sunnybrook land. So um, before we jump into the text, we are here with Jim, um, Diane, our discipleship pastor, Morgan, myself, and um, Drew Moss, not Henderson. So that's, that's who's in the studio with us, and I'll just start by reading verse 14 of 1 Timothy chapter 2. It says, And Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Yet she will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. All right. How about you start, Drew? Sweet. Um, Actually, I'm just going to go back and read 13 since that's almost like mid-sentence that we start in there. So this is why why it says, I don't allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man. Rather, she must remain quiet. And then 13 says, for Adam was formed first. Then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Yet she will be saved through childbearing if she continues in faith and love and holiness with self-control. So, um, 14 first, I guess we'll talk about um, this idea. Um, We we said last week that it seems to be in the creation order that Paul is going to, where he says that Adam was formed first and then Eve. And and now he, he goes into this idea of sin, that the woman was deceived first. Um, or actually, yeah, I'm going to get to that. But the woman, uh, Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived. And, and so he seems to be rooting this command in that idea. There's a couple of different ways you can go with that. Some like kind of old school, some of the traditional fathers, uh, like early, early church fathers would have said things like, yeah, women are more likely to be sinful. And that's why we can't let, that's why they shouldn't be elders. Now, just to be particular here, yeah. sinful or deceivable? No, I've I have read. Uh, is it Augustine? Women okay. are the devil's gateway. Okay, I think is the phrase. And so, okay. like I said, that, that, now that, that's another option. Okay, and that's yeah. more. That's kind of the next. Okay, option. okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry, yeah. I didn't want to. Inter- I didn't want to. Yeah, yes. I just want to make sure we were being particular. So on yeah, the, yeah, yep. yeah. Okay. Like kind of way back then. Got it. And and I hate to throw Augustine under the bus if that wasn't sure. him who sure. said that. No, but, I get it. But that line actually, that women are more simple. And then the other one is more deceivable in. And, and, and that's even varying degrees. Some would say as far as like gullible, and some would say more along the lines of, nope, by their nature, women tend to be more kind and nurturing and accepting, and men by their nature, and these are speaking in generics, tend to be more um, aggressive and protective and all of these things. And, and so there's some who think that Paul is saying, and so for that reason, it's better for men to be kind of guarding the doctrine of the church and women to not. Um, and, and there, are, I'm, I feel like I'm talking for a while here. I've got a, I've got my own take on it, but, um, all right, I'll jump with it. Um, I think I, I just came across this. I think, 
Uh, Thomas Schreiner says he thinks that there's like an implied, just like it says uh, Adam was formed first, then Eve. He thinks that there's actually, he's giving a parallel thought. And Eve was deceived first, not Adam. Um, and the idea that he's getting at, it's not that women are more gullible or that they're more sinful, but that what this is what happens when men abdicate their role of, of stepping in and leading. And when women move to the front to try and lead is that the sub or that, uh, sin can enter that that truth gets kind of undermined in those things and so he's he feels Schreiner feels like Paul's actually taking a dig at men when men step out of their role to lead first to step to step up front when that happened in the fall then this was the result so thoughts I don't know what do you think about that what do you guys think about that I don't I don't have any thoughts on that (laughs) I have none on that verse no, I mean, I agree with that. Um, but I mean, can you connect that to 12? So how connect the two? So, you know, he uses the four as that connecting piece, like he's connecting uh, both those thoughts that women should not teach, they should not be an authority over a man, and for this reason. So how do they connect? Um, so I think, well, yeah, what were you say? I think yeah, I was going to explain what you were explaining, but you could probably explain it better. I was just saying, if I understand you right, what you're saying is he's still talking about this being in, in the context of eldership. Elders, right. And so he's saying in the, that we all agree that women shouldn't do a certain thing by this text. Mm-hmm. And so we're all there. That's not what we mm-hmm. kind of are right. landing differently on. And he's saying, so they shouldn't be in this eldership um, de- declaring and determining the um, way the church is going to go, mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then it says four, and then he gives this this reason, which is Adam was formed first, and Eve, and then Eve, and Eve was deceived, not Adam, mm-hmm. right? Right. And, and so what he's saying is that the reason for this that men are to to lead in this way is because when they abdicate that role and women lead, there is something not um, in the creation account um, that God des- maybe desired or yeah. designed for it to be that way. It leads yeah. to unhealth. And by the way, if you think. I think if you think that he's just saying women are more likely to be deceived, then I don't know why Paul would say women can teach women then, mm-hmm. because it's okay nice. if women aren't really teaching women well. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think he would say women, if women are more likely to deceive, then they should not be teaching at all, mm-hmm. and men should teach men, and men should mm-hmm. teach women, because women, they get deceived real easy. I, right. That just doesn't follow for me that that's mm-hmm. what Paul is saying. I think he has to be talking something about the the order that God has created, and when that gets reversed mm-hmm. or out of order, then it creates problems. So. And another reason that it can't just be that women are the transgressors is because, like uh, Ryan Vincent pointed out in our first podcast, in <laughs> Romans, Paul calls out Adam as the transgressor. Yeah. So it can't just be as simple as this is what Eve has done or that, that sort of thing, right? I'm assuming. Jim? Most likely. Most likely. Okay. Um, I would also add this. It's interesting. We get hung up on the word for, but the, actually it's the Greek word day, which is um, out of the, let me just look at it real quickly here, out of the uh, 2,870 times that it's actually used, um, 1,237 times it's but, 934 times it's and, um, four times it's for. 
Mm-hmm. So four out of almost 3,000. So, so you're talking about at the beginning of verse 13. Beginning of right verse, there. it's actually the yeah. second word in the Greek text. But it, it, here's my point, is that you know one of the greatest lessons is sometimes when we hear the word for, it's it's almost like we're hearing it therefore, a purpose or statement, a yeah. purpose statement. It's, a, what is, it's sometimes in Greek it can be known as a, a, a purpose clause. Um, I, I think it might be more of, sometimes when we think of the word in English, we think of the word but, and we think of like, okay, so he's contrasting something. Uh-huh. I love Andrea, but I also love my mom or something like yeah. that, right? So you're trying to do some kind of a contrast, even though it doesn't have to be opposites, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I think we need to be a little bit careful with the four, as though somehow it's Paul's conclusion. Um, I, I like I like what some people say that a, a better way to describe it might almost be like moreover. So it it seems to have a little bit more of a of an and or like a, a contradictory but or a contrary but I guess. Um, I I just I don't know if for in the English conveys the same thing because as I hear you talking about it, and I would I would too until I looked at it, mm-hmm. I would think for. Therefore, Paul's kind of giving this final statement. That may not actually be true. So what I, what I found very interesting about this whole study is how hermeneutically we're trying to figure this difficult question out, and we're using Paul's examples that he does in Romans and how he talks about them here and how he may talk about either the Adam's transgression or we might talk about how he talks about women in other places. And we need to remember that each of these um, examples are being used by Paul to address specific situations. And so he seems to be able to take true license, not freedom license, where he can then say wrong things and it's okay to, no, the Holy Spirit will govern and protect that. But to accentuate certain parts of the narrative to drive home the point that he's making with his particular audience. So the context here, not like in Romans, where Paul is what I'm pointing here at Ryan in the, in the video, um, in the context in Romans, he is describing what, what, what Adam did, Jesus undid. So he's going to obviously use Adam in that as the representative figure of humanity. And then here he's talking about women and how they fit in. And he focuses on what Eve did. And so I think both could actually be true. So it does mean that Paul clearly doesn't seem to think that Adam had nothing to do with this and really is a victim. That's That would not be true. It's not that Eve is all bad. And and so those things, you have to look at the, at the multitude of texts and then kind of pull them in together. Um, I would say, though, that sometimes texts like this, when Peter makes a statement, women being the weaker vessel, I'm, I'm fascinated how in my own heart and mind I am so quick to come up with an explanation for that that fits my cultural perspective. Right. And it doesn't change. So in the past, when it is so easy to go, yeah, women are more sinful or more deceivable, and everyone kind of nodded in agreement. Yeah, that's, that's women are like that, aren't they? Like that would have happened hundreds of years ago. Nowadays, we 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 just almost can't even man. Okay, here's what it can't mean. What it can't mean is women are the weaker vessel. And I'm going well. If it was so crazy back then to just assume that, it might be premature for us to just give kind of an answer. I like what you're trying to do, Drew, by saying. Or Morgan, you were describing that. We have to look at how multitude of texts give us something. I don't understand why Paul would say women are deceivable and then let them teach other women. That's a great point. Mm-hmm. So there's probably something, and I don't even want to say necessarily in the middle, but we need to recognize we have a – I'll speak for myself. I have a uh, – I have something to lose in this because I have personal convictions about how I consider in many ways there to be an equality among the sexes. Um 
I experience that in my marriage. I experience a sense of equality that exists. Um, I, I, I can sense it on staff. I don't look at Diane and Morgan. And I, I really don't. I mean, I can say this looking at you in the face. Like, I don't consider you to be my inferior intellectually. I just don't consider that. I don't, I don't have that in my mindset. A lot of that is cultural, if we're honest, right? A lot of that hopefully is cultural. And therefore, I still want us to be able to. What you guys got so passionate about last time was, I just want to do what the Bible says. Yep. And so as we're approaching this, I just think it's important that we still say, it might mean a tough thing here. Yeah. It might mean that there is something that is innate within men to X. And there is something that is innate, not all women and all times, and but something innate in women to Y. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it should be the X and the Y on the opposite. Anyway, does that make sense? No, mm-hmm. I, I had this thought um, just over the last week or two as we've been working through this. I had this thought that it really is a a recent idea in world history and even an idea that is not held by a lot of the world today that everyone ought to be able to do the same thing in the same way. Um, oh, man. That, 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 all, that idea that we put in our kids. You, you, whatever you, if you put your mind to it, you can be anything you want, you know? And, and that's, not, that's not been believed for most of world <laughs> history and, and in many parts of the world is not believed today. Even when you look back into the Bible, God was... God was fine with saying in in uh, in the old testament there are certain groups of you that are allowed to be priests and there are others who are not allowed to be priests mm-hmm. and and then you go into the new testament and he goes and now all people are priests all, uh, the, there's a priesthood of all believers but by the way you you're all priests in different ways and some of you will be <laughs> apostles and some of you will be evangelists and some of you will be teachers and pastors and elders and some of you will be different but Paul, Paul goes on to say, and by the way, we can hold that we're all going to have a different role and you don't get to just choose whatever you, role you want, but that we can hold to that and still believe that everyone is equally valuable. Mm-hmm. The eye can't say to the ear, I don't need you. The hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you. Even, um, even well, I think of in 1 Corinthians 15 and in 11, Paul has no problem with saying that Jesus plays a subservient role to God. And, and that's uh, to, to the Father, to God the Father. That's and, good. Yeah, that's good. And does not mind saying that the roles are different while holding that they're the, they're the same inherent value and worth. It's the same essence, yeah. the same triune God, and yet they play different roles. We, we struggle with that. We think different role or you can do something and I can't means you're better and I'm not. And and they just didn't have that problem, and I think rightfully so. Well, and I love how in the Galatian material, then Paul says that in Christ there's neither male nor female. Yeah, and yet there's just no way that means that there's absolutely no. Dis- I've never I've never met any culture, including our own, that actually believes that. Yeah, that that actually believes there is no distinction. No, they they we, there is a distinction, and yeah. I think it's beautiful. And yet, there's also a, a parallel truth, which is in Christ, there is no distinction between Jim and Drew and Morgan and Diane. Yeah. Right. And I, honestly, I I love that about the gospel. It's it actually seems more true, because it actually brings both of those ideas in tension. Which is there is nothing different about the four of us around this table, and there are unique things that God has made for His glory and even for our own enjoyment yeah right i mean I'm, I'm glad that there's not just jim i'm glad there's not just one sex that exists i'm glad there is a distinctiveness and yet there's something that binds us all together and actually what jesus points out to it's it's me yeah. i'm what's hold holds us together so as we're dealing with all these complex complex things let's not forget what we share yeah. yeah and that's to me what's so beautiful about the church is that we are so different and we have different roles 
and a lot of us have different backgrounds, and we come together on this common ground that is Jesus Christ, crucified, buried, resurrected, and reigning, that we all submit to, and his blood is what makes us family, and what makes us, we get to be a part of his body together, and I just think that's really awesome. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you know, yep. get excited about that. Okay, let's jump down to um, verse 15. Because uh, it's, so it's it's way easier from here on out. Once we get to fifteen, <laughs> it's all clear and simple. Yeah, it's like childbirth. Yeah. Well, actually, I, I think I think fifteen does get easier. Yeah, yeah. I, I, do I really do. I have. I, I can. Fifteen's not that hard. To fifteen, fourteen, I was like, eh, I'm a, whatever. Yeah. They got at least seven minutes a piece to say something, and that's that would equal enough time, whatever. You know? Yeah, fifteen's <laughs> not hard. Okay, so jumping down to fifteen, it says, uh, "Yet she will be saved through childbearing." if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. So, once again, yet she will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. So, do you want to go start here, or does anybody want to start with that? I started last time. I'm, I'm happy to jump in whenever. But Diane, go. Well, I, no, I don't have a lot to say about this. This is a hard verse, but okay. it just seems like he's calling women back to their roles, you know, that we are saved by accepting our roles as mothers. Um, and so just like what you were saying a minute ago, that we all have distinct, unique roles, and uh, we need to embrace those. That seems to be what he's saying, but I, I yeah. can't go any further with that verse. I can... I'll take a stab at it, yep. and then will you correct me or um, tell me? Agree. We'll agree. I believe it. Okay. Right. So here's kind of the different the different takes I've heard on this passage is that it could mean, which is going to sound this is going to sound ludicrous. We we don't I I don't think we believe this. I don't believe this. That women are saved through giving birth. Like it's just mm-hmm. a literal translation. Don't believe that's true, um, because it doesn't. Like we've talked about before, fit contextually with the entire Goes body. Everything else, Paul says. Yeah. Yes, um, and so and they they talk a lot about in commentaries. I've read a lot about the difference between she singular and they um, plural, and and what that does to complicate this verse and so yeah, on that and so is forth. That when okay. you get to fifteen, it's moved it to yeah. a singular. Now we're not talking yeah. about women. It says she yeah. singular. So yeah. is that she referring to Eve, or is that she referring to the women yeah. um, in Ephesus? Or is that she referring to universally all women? And so there's all these different options there. And they, and with that, they as well. And so I've also heard that this can refer to the birth of the child, as in the birth of Jesus the Messiah, um, and that we are saved through that. And then I've also heard what Diane said, which is this is not really as much talking about being saved through childbearing. This is talking about... Um, being faithful to our role and submitting to our role as that God God has called us to play in the body as women. So those are the three things I've heard. I used to hold more to um, saved through the birth of Jesus, and now I'm starting to switch more to the the I'm other one. I'm well. I'm, I guess I'm not trying yeah. to starting to switch. I'm starting to like think through that differently because yeah. I don't know if the role through the birth of Jesus Christ makes as much sense here in this context. Well, one of my questions I would ask is this, is that we've been throwing around, just like with the word for, we've been throwing around almost an implied meaning on saved. So let's ask, I mean, let me ask you this. What do you mean by saved? Mm -hmm. Okay. The Greek word sozo is the word in that text. So what do you mean by that? Do you mean justified? Do you mean that a person finds salvation, finds justification in Christ through childbearing or even through their role as mother? Is that what you're saying? Mm -hmm. So are you meaning that's how a woman is justified? 
or sanctified. Well, I was thinking but more. probably more justified. Okay. I mean, usually when people think of the word saved, they usually begin with the justified aspect that okay. they're not like, going to hell. Going, yeah, get to go to heaven. They get to go to heaven. That's what the word saved mm-hmm. means. So is that what we're all assuming? Because that's actually not a good translation of that word. No. Okay. So again, it, it might need be the it might need to be the word that we have in the text. I'm not necessarily against it, because um, we would use the word save in a number of different contexts. But Jesus says to the woman, um, "Your faith has saved you." Mm-hmm. The, the the translators uh, translate it in Luke's gospel. Um, the, the, your faith has healed you, mm. and so it's just, but it's the same word. And so the idea of 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 to be saved is the idea of being made whole. Mm-hmm. And so it can have like an eschatological end times justification piece, which I think it, therefore it could be it could be insinuating that in some instances. In other instances, when uh, my sister has colon cancer, God can save her. Um, she may not be eternally saved, but God could choose his favor and, and heal her from that. And we would use the word heal. Um, and so another way that this can actually be used is that a woman can be, or a person, this is a woman, a woman can be preserved through this. So it is the idea of making whole again, um, which takes on a lot of different nuances, the word sozo does. And so I think before we even get down to is it the childbirth or is it through childbearing or is it about role or is it about you know the specific act of um, that one aspect that most women experience, but not all women experience, um, you still have to answer the question, what do you believe saves is? Mm-hmm. And it's funny how most people get hung up on how it's going to work, but they still line up with this not go to hell, save peace. And I, I, I bring most attention there and say, I don't think Paul is describing not going to hell. Mm-hmm. I think Paul is using that word in a more uh, general sense, and he is talking about a, a preserving of or a protecting of or a a, mending. In, in uh, 1 Timothy 4, 15 down yeah. to 16, whatever, yep. it says a very similar thing that— yep. Watch your life and your teaching closely. Basically, if you're a good pastor, you'll save yourself and your people. Yeah, is what it says. It'll save you um, and your hearers. Yeah, is what is what Paul says to Timothy, and it's kind of that same idea. He's not saying Timothy is going to justify and and whatever die for the sins of himself and his people when he says he's going to save them, but that he is making them whole. That he is that he is. Um, living out what he's called to do and therefore is preserving and restoring and, and making whole the church in himself, I think. That's that's what I meant by like the idea of sanctification. Yeah. Yeah, which like, I think I think moves is part that. of it. Yeah, 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 definitely is is and, part of it. But most people when we do, when we just keep going, well, I wonder what he means by this and how can he mean this? Well he can't mean this. We're all still operating out of a um a presumed understanding of saved, mm-hmm. which is not go to hell. Yep. And I want to, I always begin as I teach this text, I want to begin with, hey, let me, let me just kind of explain one of the problems with this is the mm-hmm. way that we read the word saved mm-hmm. and it sets us in one direction mm-hmm. and we don't need to do that. Because one, if I just change that word to become whole or yep. to become, um, you know, uh, more complete or something along mm-hmm. those lines, then all of a sudden we don't have these huge, we, yes. we, some might, some might go, you're telling me that if I don't have a baby that I can't be complete as a woman or whatever. And again, I would argue that's reading the text too far. Yeah, um, the Bi- much of the Bible is written um, giving this is the general way in yes. which these things happen, when, and we read it as these yes. crazy specifics that don't allow anything on the other side of it. And I, I think that's over reading the text. Yeah, when Paul's writing, the vast majority of women are married and having kids in this culture. Right. So he's he's speaking in a generality that just I think is describing women playing their role mm-hmm. more than just saying 
Um, well, I know, not saying every woman has to have a kid to be whole. Well, and he tells women, actually, in 1 Corinthians 7, like, I wish everybody were like me and they weren't married. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's like, why would you believe that they can't be complete? Yeah. Right. Like, Paul doesn't believe that in, in like that. Yeah. You know, and totally. it's when we, this is why we have to understand the text and know when, it's not that I don't believe in a literal um, understanding of the Bible, but I actually believe in more of a natural understanding of the Bible, and we've got to deal with these nuances. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and you can and a way for you as our listener, if you if you're reading this, um, and you're going, okay, this is kind of a difficult text. This is something I know I struggle with. This is something that other people struggle with. Then you hear words like four, and you naturally, as a good as a good reader of scripture, you go, why is that four there? And then that's when you do what Jim's saying, like let's go look up what that four means. And so Blue go Letter to Bible Blue Letter Bible great, yeah. app and yep. you can figure that out. I mean, it's an app that you can put on your phone or then you continue reading and you go, yeah, she will be saved through the blood, the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Wait, this one says she'll be saved through childbearing. What the what? And then you go <laughs> and you look that up and you try to figure out what are you laughing at me? Jim just, I like the what the what? That's what you're that's Hadley, what you do. Hadley likes that phrase. Yeah. So. <laughs> so you just kind of look at that and say, well, that okay, that's not what I know. Yeah. And so then you go and you study and you learn and, and yeah. that's where you can go if you if you don't if you did not take Greek, which most of you did not, then you will always be reading at a disadvantage. Um, Drew, I have something about that, don't I? <laughs> yes. What 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 do I say about those people who have not learned the biblical languages? You said that those of us you've said this once some somewhere between one and five thousand times. <laughs> That those of us who do not know the original languages are working at a disadvantage. Yes. So that's why we have the Blue Letter Bible app and can then have Greek at our fingertips. And that is awesome. And yeah. that is awesome. So don't be afraid Gre- to do that. I think that. Drew designed it. I you, think maybe he did. Yeah. Or God gave it to Drew. <laughs> okay. So what do you think this is this this is referring to then, Jim? Not the whole thing. This this text particularly because you you kind of stopped and said before we can do that yep. we need to know. Say. If I had to, p- I'll put it in a, in a nutshell. I believe Paul um, sees within the family dynamic from the creative order that that husbands lead wives and that wives are not in leadership in in their family that the husband is, and then that same basic framework then constitutes the way the church um, exists. Uh, so when you go back to the Genesis narrative, that there is male leadership mm-hmm. and that there is female, um, there is a, a following that exists or mm-hmm. however you want to describe that, um, that is found in this incredible mutual love and, uh, and a mutual submission, interestingly enough, to each other and as well as to Christ, um, that actually has a leader involved in it. And therefore, as Paul is beginning to go into the next section, which we say is 3-1, and it's almost like, take a breath, and now let's start a new thought. I doubt if Paul is doing that. Um, I'll, I'll keep coming back. If we put 3-1 after 2-8, everybody would have a completely different way of looking at this. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I, I think it at least means we've got to consider that what Paul is doing is continuing a thought with elders and so that's why here at the church we, we do have, not because we don't believe in or appreciate the amazing intellectual uh, giftedness of women um, or the, the unique talents that God himself has given by the power of his spirit to women. Um, we just believe that in the home as well as in the church, it generally looks like this. Mm-hmm. So it's not to oppress anybody or it's not to lift up anybody. It's, it's really just to believe that this is the basic framework in which God has ordained things. Mm-hmm. And we want to try to follow that as best as we can. Yep. 
Awesome. So that's that's kind of where I land on this, and that's why I don't mind women doing a lot of things. Um, I mean, literally a lot of things. In so many ways, we're we're more egalitarian. We're complementarians, is uh, is I would say is, is the best way to describe us. But we are egalitarian in a lot of things, and it is because our understanding of where the limits are and where the limits are not. Mm-hmm. There are elements of Paul's teachings that are cultural. I mean, I'll, I'll openly mm-hmm. admit that. And then there are some pieces that are not. So he seems to tie leadership uh, back to the created order. So we believe leadership is a created order issue. Um, and we believe that in general, as we work through this with love and admiration and a trusting and a guiding of the Holy Spirit, um, to the best of our ability, this is how we're going to ordain things because this is how we believe Jesus um, orchestrated them and the Holy Spirit sustaining them. Okay. So you went through verse 15 and then kind of gave a thought on the whole text in general as far as the stance of yep. us here. Um, I know you had a couple questions, Diane, and mm-hmm. then I would love for Drew kind of bullet pointed the different stances people that you might find yourself having to decide where you land and then we can kind of each state where we are does that work mm-hmm. okay so go ahead diane okay so i went back through and reread first timothy and as i was doing that and trying to like you know as jim said ignore those um those chapter breaks um just looking at it as a whole letter and as i was going through it i started noticing how many times it mentioned uh, elders as um, teaching and preaching and how that was a you know definitely a characteristic of an elder and like we talked about last week uh, deacons do not have that they, they don't have that responsibility as far as teaching um, but it's unique to elders so anyway my question so then that put me on a rabbit trail I started looking into um, the different times that it emphasized like in Titus also and we did Another thing is I wish we had talked about um, Titus 2 when it comes to women teaching women. But in Titus 1, um, it also mentions that elders encourage others with wholesome teaching. So this, this thread of this emphasis on teaching with elders. And so, um, and in those, and, I, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems to be that the term elder also goes along with uh, overseer and pastor and it you know there are very there are a lot of references to an elder also um, shepherding the flock as well as teaching so many times shepherding goes with uh, teaching past a pastor and teach same thing um, synonymous so so this brought me to a question okay and that is if I'm considered a pastor minister pastor sure. one who shepherds um, then and I'm a woman, and you, you know, you were stating that this uh, this uh, chapter two refers to uh, elders that we cannot serve as elders. So, what does that mean for women who are in ministry? You know, like who are not just in ministry, but working in a church, and you know, they have that position in a church. Because I mean, we're all ministers. We all we're all in ministry in in a way. But to actually work in a church and be called, you know, representatives of the church, what does that mean for me? That's where it got a little tricky. No, I, I hear you. I think I, I think one of the things that we need to remember is that um, 
my one of my professors in grad school would love to point out that that what has happened over time, and there was no way to to change this, is that we were going to start doing things that the that God Himself has always been aware of and has planned and purposed, but that maybe the Bible doesn't speak directly to. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I don't know how much the Bible fully understood or could recognize a woman CEO of a major corporation. Okay, um, so what do we do with that? It's mm-hmm. like, well, okay, we'll have to use what the Bible teaches about other things to try to construct a way in which how to handle what, what do we do with women in the lead? Can a woman lead in the workplace? And then I know a lot of Christian people that go, well, sure, it's secular. And I'm going, yeah, but the Bible doesn't have that distinction. So even for you to go secular versus sacred in many instances yeah, is a category that really doesn't exist. So Dr. Larry used to always say to us, I get, he gets this question all the time, what do you do when a parachurch organization decides to have a board? And they have a board. So Christ in Youth has a board. Can we have woman, women on our board? Because the Bible actually teaches. And Dr. Larry used to say, and I thought there was some wisdom in this. Don't know if it finalized the statement. And he said, to have women on a, on a, on a board of a, of, a, of a parachurch organization like Christ in Youth is about as biblical as, A, having an organization like this, or B, having a board running an organization like this. So you're kind of asking a question that right. really is a bit of a, I won't say it's not made up like it's sometimes people, when people think of an unbiblical idea, they think of it as a bad idea. And sometimes unbiblical is just different. Mm-hmm. It's not mm-hmm. It's not necessarily either good or bad. It's how we deal with those things. So I would say, for example, like the way that we organize the church today is different than the way they organized it back right. then. I mean, yeah. and it's been different for almost 2,000 years. Mm-hmm. Not longer, Not long after Paul did this, there was a change in how leadership was done. And so you can look at how church governance or church polity began to develop, and they had the hierarchy and the structures. As soon as the church began to grow, they had to figure out how do we continue to manage this, and they began to do some things that are different. Okay, And so I think that's part of the part and parcel that we need to realize. So it's really interesting when you say things like, okay, so I know that I can be a woman minister, but I don't know if I can be a woman teacher. That means that your understanding of diakone or deacon or servant is the, is the Greek word doesn't involve teaching in it at all. And even though Paul may not reference that as one of the responsibilities of a deacon in 1 Timothy 3, may not mean, as Drew has already pointed out, that there are women who are actually working at some level in Titus, women teaching women. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't yeah. seem to be as clearly like divided as sometimes we want to think. See, we put titles and then we have job descriptions. It's the framework that we have. Sure. And I think that, in essence, can create part of the problem, mm-hmm. which doesn't give us, I don't think it gives us free license, but I think it may give us room to seek God's will and purpose and to try to hold on to some deeper principles. Um, And I think the best principles that we can hold on to are things like submission to Christ, uh, submission to authority. Those things, I think, are governing ideas for me. But how we have come to an understanding here at Sunnybrook is not for the purpose of women or for the the purpose of, of anything other than our understanding of the biblical text. I hope that is true. I hope that we're not blinded to our own biases. Um, uh, I, I know we're influenced by them. I hope we're not blinded by them. Is that Diane? I genuinely believe that um, there are just appropriate and right places for women to serve inside the church. I see examples of this in the New Testament, and I actually believe that if I were to talk to the Apostle Paul, not G- Jesus would give me a perfect answer. Paul, under the guidance and the direction of the Holy Spirit, would give me a perfect answer, but I could probably just talk to Paul on the side, and Paul would say, wait a second, so women are doing what now? And I wouldn't be surprised if he would not contradict himself here. Now, this is a difference. I don't believe he would ever contradict himself here. 
But I do believe he would go, oh, if that's the case, I think I would have said this. In that context, I think I would have said this. And I think there would be a little more room. I really do. I believe there would be a little more room. Much like when you read from the Bible in the Old Testament to the New Testament, there seems to be more room for things. Drew used the priesthood of all believers. There seems to be a, I hate to use this word, but I have to use it, a liberating effect of the gospel. Now, the problem is, I have found, is that we, when we, when we, when we pull, when we kind of have liberation as our primary way of seeing this, right. then I think excited. we miss it. If right. we get too excited, get I think we take it too far. Yeah. Yes, if we just mm-hmm. take it, I, th- I think Paul would go, well, then what do you do with the fact that I tied it back to Adam and Eve? So I think Paul would say, yeah, oh, wow, well, I, I, I think I would handle that differently. I, I really, really do. And by the way, if I'm wrong, then... You know, honestly, God forgive me, but as I continue to see it, I think there seems to be a, um, they call it like a um, redemptive hermeneutic where it seems to be developing and growing. I think, I believe in a redemptive hermeneutic where there is more liberating things that are happening that ultimately have a conclusion on this side of eternity. I, I believe that. I believe there are still basic things that are never going to change. Um, and, uh, and that's why I see it as not as restrictive as the past but not as liberating as many of our people. I just, I'm always concerned when I meet anyone of any race, race, gender, um, whatever, where they care more about that than they do the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so I would say, Diane, we need to look at how God functions and then how God gifts and then be really careful with titles. And I, I would say that um, the distinctions and this, you know, there's a whole history of this. Are we pastors or are we ministers? Um, and I just say, well, let's talk about what we're supposed to be doing. And I would say women should be teaching predominantly other women, which we do here. Right. The primary way right. is you teaching other women. And yeah. we, we had a guy, a friend of ours, actually, after the first podcast, and I thought, I thought uh, Morgan and Hope did a great job. But Eric said, right, remember this? Mm-hmm. Eric said, I wish you had an older woman. I'd love to hear her perspective. And so there obviously is a sense where there's somebody that asks that. I think our church needs to hear an older woman's perspective. Mm-hmm. So that's the part where I want to go. I can't imagine Paul going, nope, I don't want that to happen. Keep Diane quiet. Put her in the corner. I don't think, I honestly don't think, and hear me, the problem is we go, yeah, Paul wouldn't say that because that's not nice. No, Paul wouldn't say that, I think, because that doesn't line up with what God wants. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. But then, yeah, so can Diane can do whatever she wants? No, I don't think that either. Mm -hmm. I hope I've answered your question. I think you have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I mean I have because of yeah it's very very clear in Titus two that women yes. are to teach. In fact, it's a command that we teach other women. Uh, you know, the older women teaching the younger, and it even specifically says what to te- you know what to teach them in. But uh, I think it's just I still feel a little unsettled at this point where I'm at with women teaching men in the. Uh, formal you know, in the formal setting, yeah. right? In the gathering of the congregational gathering. But yeah, that's where I'm at. Okay. I love your heart in that. Mm-hmm. Like I, I really do. Your heart in that, I just, even if even if I can never convince you, I first of all, I don't want to convince you to do whatever you want. I want to convince you to follow the Spirit. Also, I don't want to fight what the Spirit may be doing in you. you mm-hmm. The Spirit may be using you to teach me, hey, Jim, dial it back. Mm-hmm. So I want to I wanna be responsive to that too. I appreciate yeah. that. Yep. And in saying that, I want Drew to kind of give your four, sure. your four kind of where you can kind of land yeah. in this with so this there, text. So you know the main verse: I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man; rather, she must remain quiet. The main idea we're talking about, um, as I've thought through it, I see there 
four positions that people can kind of fall on in this category. And I'm, I'm coming up with these names somewhat myself. I don't know if there's an actual, if people have a specific name for this, but for clarity, the first would be kind of a traditional literal approach. And that would be to say, it says what it says, women should be quiet. And so that's the way we're going to do it. And there are churches who do that. Women are not allowed to speak within the church service, not to share a testimony, not to ask a question or give a prayer request, but they must remain quiet. Um, the second is what I'm going to call complimentary, uh, compla, uh, complementarian A, uh, and, and that would be that elder, men are supposed to be the elders, and therefore women, it's not that they have to be completely silent. They could share a testimony, they could share a prayer request, they could ask a question, but they should not be, the pri- they should not be giving teaching or preaching when the congregation is gathered together, say, on a Sunday morning in the corporate worship. And that's yeah. where you're saying you're kind of leaning right yeah. now. Yes. Which is where yes. I am. So yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the next one will say complimentary. God, my gosh. Um, <laughs> complimentarian B, um, which is that this is about elders teaching and that elders are the ones who are to provide the main authority and the doctrinal truth of the church, but that a woman could She should not be probably the primary preacher and teacher of a church, but she could periodically teach under the authority of the eldership, even in the corporate gathering, with this understanding that the the elders have given approval of what she is saying. And so that would be complementarian B. And then uh, the fourth position is egalitarianism, which is a woman can take on any role that a man takes on. Preacher, teacher, elder, that is that everything Paul is saying here is bound to that culture and it changes today, and, and we don't follow that. So I have tried and tried and tried to be the last one because it just makes me popular with people, and it's such a cultural way. I really have. I can't tell you the number of times I've tried. I cannot get there. Yeah. So I personally you am a— You can't be number four, egalitarian. I, I mean, yeah. honestly, again, in, in, in a Galatian sense, I'm yeah. totally egalitarian. Yeah. But in a First Timothy 2 sense, I'm a complementarian B. Okay. Not so. I'm a little more. I'm a, I'm a little more comfortable with having Diane teach me. Yeah. In a even in a formal sense. Yeah. I, I really don't. I I just don't have a problem with that. Yeah. Um. And as an eldership right now, I, I guess I don't want to say. I think collectively we. I'm, I'm, I've never been told do not let Diane and Morgan speak on Sunday. So yeah. obviously, uh, I, I would say collectively we are. Although I wouldn't be surprised if we were to if I were to sit down and ask each each man. Yeah. They may lean somewhere between me and Diane, which mm-hmm. maybe where Diane yes. is. There might be yes. a few of them that are kind of more where yeah. Diane is. Um, uh, but even Diane, as she's describing that, is recognizing, like, I think that's where I'm at. But yeah. she's not so offended if more, maybe she might not want to speak, but she probably wouldn't stand up and walk out if Morgan did. Yes. Right? So she's trying to figure it out as well. And I'm kind of where I'm at going, if I go anywhere, I'll go one step towards mm-hmm. Diane. Yeah. I think if Diane were to go anywhere, she'd go one step towards me. Maybe mm-hmm. we have to, I don't know yes. what the middle would even yes. look like. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I would say the same thing. I'm not in this traditional, literal, women never speak. And I'm not in the, this is only cultural. It's only bound there. I'm somewhere between you two. And I would say lean towards more where you are after um, reading through and seeing how much, when you pointed out how much they're talking about elders, I went through and read that and, and hearing how much it's in the context of eldership, how there's a whole bunch of other things in the context of leadership in elders and, yeah. and, and things. That's what makes me lean a little bit more towards where you are. Yeah. By the way, if this isn't describing the teaching of elders, um, then it's saying straight up women can't teach is what I think. So that's yeah, not, yeah, not just you, Sunday morning. Yeah, if, yeah, if it's not yeah, describing yeah. the authority of elders teaching here, then it's saying women cannot teach, period. 
Um, and so for that reason, I fall in complementarian B as well yes. with, with Jim. <laughs> I don't have to I don't have to fire anybody. That's great. And um, I can still work on Diane and appreciate her heart. That's, so this is a win-win for hey, me. I, I, will, <laughs> I will say this, though, Diane. I've been, as I've been studying, honestly, I've pulled a little closer to A. I'm still in okay. B, but it, okay. I've been having discussions with my wife. My wife is A, actually. Okay. And she's she's the one Listen, fighting. Listen, I totally <laughs> I love yeah. I love complimentary and a women yeah. because they they have a heart for I don't want to say more of a heart but they just seem to have this I, I love how they're trying to go against culture yeah right yeah. even if they might be wrong I love the fact mm-hmm. that they're willing to kick the system yes mm-hmm. I so don't oh, like the system mm-hmm. and so I I admire Diane's uh, really a, a sense of or even Morgan your heart is in there right like your heart yeah. you're you're heart you're is. willing to stick it to the system yeah. Yeah. To be faithful yeah. to the scripture. To be faithful to the scripture. Yes, yeah. yes. And I felt like in reading, I felt like I to be more faithful to the scripture, I would lean towards the B. And if I was being more in just my cautious. gut instinct, I just want to, I want to so if this is going to make women be all about liberation and not about Jesus, then I will not speak on stage. <laughs> and I would, and I will maybe kick the women. <laughs> so both of those things. I, I, I'm not kicking women. Well, that's probably not a good idea. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We get it. Yeah, we're allowed yeah. to use metaphors. I'm assuming. Yes, yes. So, thank you for listening. Wait, to- we 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 agreed. Not not necessarily like agreed, but we concluded this. Yeah, I know I so. it's kind of exciting. Yeah, yeah. I feel like we should put our hands in it. Woo, go team! I don't. Okay, so that's why we all are together and making up the body of Christ. If you want to be a certain part of the body, Jim, I am. I am. I am. I'm just kidding. Okay. Well, we'll see you guys next time. Bye.